0: The Daily Gazette Company presents the Parting Shots Podcast.
1: Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Sports Editor, Ken Shot.
0: Just can't get enough of that Fly Eagles Fly song. Thank you, Scott geezy and welcome to the Parting Shots podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Fly Eagles Fly podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, and obviously we're talking Super Bowl 57. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's a lot of Eagles-centric here because we've got a lot of Eagles fans here on the podcast. Uh, later on, we're going to talk with Sean McMaster of 100.9 The Cat. He's a big Eagles fan. And uh, ESPN's Kevin DeGandhi will be joining me in just a little bit to talk about uh, Super Bowl 57. But let's start with uh, my colleague, the Deputy Director of Content for the Daily Gazette, Adam Schinder. And uh, can you believe we're, our Eagles are in the Super Bowl?
2: Uh, it's... If you had told me before the season, I would have said, uh, so which deal with the devil did we strike? (laughs) Uh, For the last 12 weeks of the season? No. This was the best team in the NFC for pretty much the the whole year, uh, minus the gardner Minshew hiccup. (laughs) The way this team has played did not surprise me once I saw what they could be. The question heading into this season was what Jalen Hurts was going to be. It was a roster that was built, especially uh, you know, once you saw the acquisition of A.J. Brown, the acquisition of James Bradbury, uh, the late acquisition of C.J. Gardner-Johnson. 52 guys, this was probably the best res- uh, roster in the NFL, and I don't think there's a lot of people who would argue with that. The question was Jalen Hurts and what his evolution would be, and he evolved into a guy who... Through 14 games, was the MVP of the league,
0: and we heard all through training camp, oh, he's Jalen Hurts not looking good. He's struggling with his throws and all that stuff. And I mean, now you wonder what these reporters were looking at. I mean,
2: yeah, I, I mean, I never really take a lot from training camp. It's a small, small sample size. They don't see everything. Uh, I think what you have to, in a lot of ways, what you have to credit uh, Jalen Hurts' development to. Uh, is one of the great egoless coaching jobs uh, I've ever seen from Nick Sirianni. You know, this team's 2-5 and a year ago. They're throwing the ball as much as any team in the NFL. Uh, And Nick Sirianni hands the play calling duties over to to Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator. This team reinvents itself uh, with its strength, which is we have the best offensive line behind... An offensive line coach in Jeff Stoutland who has to be considered one of the great position coaches uh, in the history of the NFL. And there's a, there's a stat I want to bring up uh, that we'll talk about a little bit later when it comes to the, the Eagles offensive line uh, and a, a running game that makes it impossible for teams to be right. It's one of the very few 11 on 11 run games in the entire NFL You then throw in A.J. Brown, an elite wide receiver, to add into a terrific young player in Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. It's an offense that makes it very hard for an opposing defense to be ever correct. They can beat you as simple as the offense can be. They can beat you in so many different ways, uh, and then this year, you know, for as much flack a, a, as Jonathan Gannon got uh, in Philadelphia, and can still get uh, at times when this team plays uh, super elite quarterbacks, this defense kind of played to the Platonic ideal of what he wants the defense to be, which is we're going to stop you on first down, and then we are going to rain hell <laughs> with a pass rush. And this was a historically good
0: pass rush. Yeah, it was. It's amazing to me and. Uh, Hassan Reddick has been awesome. He knocks out uh, uh, Purdy from the NFC Championship game in that first quarter, and uh, the 49ers were never the same after that. Yeah, Temple University stand up.
2: Uh, I, I don't know if a, I, this was something I was talking about uh, with my father recently, and, and my family is season ticket holders uh, at, for decades. Uh, Hassan Reddick has to be pretty much immediately in the conversation of the greatest free agent signings uh, in Eagles history. Not just acquisitions, because so many of the great acquisitions in this team's history were trades. Uh, But as far as a guy they went out and got in free agency, you know, went out and immediately put himself uh, in the list of great pass rushers that this team has, has ever produced. And, you know, was a guy who legitimately deserved and probably would end up, you know, in fourth or fifth. Uh, And and the way he's played in the playoffs has been arguably, you know, one of the top defensive players in the entire NFL this season.
0: Kansas City, obviously, Spagnuolo is one of the top defensive coordinators. I mean, he's got a really, really, I think, a difficult job trying to figure out how to stop the Eagles.
2: Yeah, Steve Spagnuolo is obviously from the Jim Johnson School, which uh, for Eagles fans is very familiar. He wants to bring pressure. Uh, Kansas City is a team that has a lot of talent in certain spots on defense and weaknesses you can attack chris jones uh their defensive tackle uh with a with a injured aaron donald uh this year chris jones was pretty much unquestionably the best interior defensive lineman uh, in the nfl can be an absolute game wrecker can line up absolutely anywhere they'll move him anywhere uh you know not having legeris sneed uh for a lot of that afc championship game at corner uh he should be back uh uh, gives them their number one corner. But it's a Kansas City pass defense that can be beaten down the field. Uh, and it's a Kansas City run defense that can be beaten because I, this Eagles defense has proved, uh, especially when they you know, ground down San Francisco, that they can run on pretty much anyone. Uh, but Steve Spagnuolo is going to bring pressure. He's done it forever, and uh, you would expect to see it uh, Sunday night. What
0: do the Eagles have to do to stop that pressure?
2: Uh, I mean, it's established things early on, and it's going to start with an offensive line that is really potentially historically good. Uh, You have two two players who are all-timers at their position. Jason Kelsey uh, is very rapidly ascending on the ranks of, this is one of the great centers that the NFL has ever seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lane Johnson, when healthy, is... He plays right tackle, so it always seems like he gets overshadowed a little bit. He might be the best tackle at either side in the NFL. Uh, Isaac Samalo and Landon Landon Dickerson are very, very good guards. Jordan Mailata uh, is probably the weak link on the line, but it's pretty amazing for a guy who, you know, five years ago had never played a down of football in his life. Uh, And the thing, this is what I mentioned earlier that I want to bring up, no offensive lineman on the Philadelphia Eagles has ever played a down of professional football for any other team other than the other than the Philadelphia Eagles. That's amazing. This is an entirely homegrown line. Uh, and outside of Jason Kelsey uh, who came in uh, under when uh, when the late Howard Mudd was the offensive line coach another all-time great offensive line coach, the only coach these guys have ever had in the NFL is jeff stoutland and uh you know a lot can be said about the chip kelly uh reign in philadelphia but the hire of jeff stoutland uh he's now survived he's on his third head coach and uh is on that list with guys like like, 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 like mike munchak mm. uh and dante Scarnecchia, who was the great offensive uh, line coach for all those patriots teams uh as one of the great position coaches uh at that spot
0: Patrick Mahomes, we know he's a great quarterback. He also has a high ankle sprain. He managed to gut his way through the game, the AFC Championship game against Saint, uh, Cincinnati. A couple weeks off to rest, but how effective will he be, and what do the Eagles have to do to limit him?
2: Uh, I put absolutely nothing past Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is, uh, and I'm 37, uh, Patrick Mahomes is the most talented quarterback I have ever seen in my life. And... It honestly might not be close. Yeah. Uh, he is a wizard in terms of what he can do with his arm strength, his athleticism, his creativity, his his ability to do things and put the ball in places that nobody else could. He'll just throw the ball behind his head. He'll put it, at some point, he's going to turn around, hike the ball between his legs. He will still find Travis Kelsey somewhere on the field. The big key with Patrick Mahomes... Uh, that I think the Bengals proved last year uh, in the AFC Championship game and then uh, again earlier this season uh, when they met in the regular season. When you get to him, you got to put him down. You have to bring him to the ground. If you don't sack Patrick Mahomes, he will make second reaction plays uh, like nobody uh, in the NFL can.
0: Travis Kelsey. I mean, obviously the battle of the Kelsey brothers is another excellent, one of the great tight ends, I think, in, in our generation at least what you probably can't stop him you got to contain him what's going to be the key to containing him
2: yeah the, the eagles have actually been uh by most advanced statistics very very good i believe fourth uh in some of the uh, advanced metrics in terms of defending tight ends this year they're a good middle of the field uh defense uh when kansas city came to philadelphia last year Travis Kelsey had uh, four catches for 20 something yards now that game, Tyree Kill had, th- uh, you know, 186 yeah. receiving yards and three touchdowns. Tyree Kill is not on this Kansas City team anymore, and it's not the same Kansas City offense uh, that you saw with Tyree Kill that was very, very vertical, uh, especially with uh, Miko Hardman, uh, who's probably their, their true speed guy. He won't play uh, in the Super Bowl. They put him on injured reserve. They do a lot of underneath stuff. They do a lot of the Andy Reid screens and, you know, scheming guys open. Uh, the key with Tra- Travis Kelsey, you just have to find a way to stop him from moving the chains. The Eagles don't play a ton of of man defense, so it's going to be really kind of a you know a team effort. You know TJ Edwards will see some on him, Kaiser White, uh, C.J. Gar- CJ CJ Gardner Johnson is probably the guy you would most likely see you know if they try to man Travis Kelsey up. Uh, the key for this game for the Eagles is to get to Mahomes. You stop whatever running game they're going to bring on early on early downs and then this defensive line has to get home and they have so many guys.
0: What's your uh, prediction for the score?
2: Uh this is the prediction I put on the uh, the Daily Gazette uh, football pickem. I can't go against the Eagles. Uh, I have Eagles 27-23.
0: Well, we'll see what happens Sunday. Where are you going to be watching the game?
2: Uh, in my in my apartment, uh, <laughs> pacing and... it uh, be three and a half hours h- of yeah, that. Yeah, hide, hiding, <laughs> uh, hiding under a blanket and trying not to scare our cat.
0: Well, I'd appreciate a few minutes, and uh, hopefully we'll be celebrating a championship about 10 o'clock on Sunday night. That'd be very, very nice. Yeah. More Eagles talk here on the Parting Shots podcast. So we'll talk with Sean McMaster of 100.9 The Cat coming up here on the Parting Shots podcast.
3: If you really want to know what's going on in your community, you have to read the Daily Gazette. We don't take a side. We're right down the middle, and we're going to get to the truth. Our reporters and photographers are out in the field bringing you updates every minute with trust, accuracy, and integrity from the first page to the last page, independent, probing journalism. We're finding out what's going on in the community where nobody else is covering. It's who we are. It's what we do.
0: Hi, this is Union College football
2: coach John Poppy. You're listening to the Party Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott.
0: My next guest is co-host of Sean and Andrea on 100.9 The Cat here in the Capital Region. And he's a Capital Region native and a lifelong Philadelphia Eagles fan. Please welcome to the podcast Sean McMaster. Sean, uh, appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast to talk about our birds.
1: Ken, thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, go Birds for
0: sure. <laughs> You've been a Leaf here all your life. What, what what, what made you become an Eagles fan?
1: I know, That's kind of a – there's a few different reasons, but the main reason was uh, I have an older brother who's like five years older than me, and he's a Giant fan. <laughs>
0: that's a good reason.
1: <laughs> so, you know, it was about those days. Plus, they had a linebacker back in the day, you might remember, named
0: LeMaster. Yes, Frank oh. Lamaster. Because, yeah, I watched him. I, I, I grew up in Philadelphia, and I, we had season tickets at the Vet at Section 702. And I remember Lamaster making that interception, and in, I think it was the last game of the 78 season uh, against the Giants. And they had clinched him a playoff spot for the first time in about 12 years. And I just remember how the uh, how crazy the stadium, uh, Vet Stadium went that day. So, yeah, so
1: as a kid, I was like, well, you know, that's like the French version of my last name. So I kind of like it, you know. <laughs> So I've only been to the to the vet once. How many times were you arrested?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was too young to be arrested. I, I wasn't.
1: <laughs> it, 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 it's
0: actually, back then it wasn't. It wasn't as bad as it got. I think it's got worse over here. I remember a nineteen eighty one wild card playoff game at the vet between the Eagles and the Giants, and the Giants won that game. The Eagles didn't play well, and I know there was a big brawl uh, in the lower level, like the one hundred section. The, 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 on the seats uh, in back of the Giants uh, bench, and I was just, just nuts of what's going on. But I was too young to get in the fight, so I'd be, I wasn't that kind was of that, guy. Was that, like, the last year of the vet? No, the last year of the vet was 2003. This was in 1981. Oh, okay. So, gotcha. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, the vet, As I like to say the vet was a dump, but it was my dump. That was That was my... Summer home for the Phillies, and uh, obviously going to the, um, the Eagles games, and of course we had season tickets to the Flyers. So uh, I, I think, in a way, I was spoiled back when I was growing up. Oh yeah, and I remember I only went to the vet
1: once, and uh, did, my biggest takeaway was if you had to go to the bathroom, you went to a porta potty.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I'll be careful what I say here, but there were Eagles games when at halftime people would not wait at the stalls; uh, they went. Oh, they went uh, in the sink. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> well, that's how ingenious Philadelphia fans are. I mean, a great example of that was a couple weeks ago for the uh, uh, divisional game against the Giants where the Philadelphia Wings lacrosse team was playing a 1 o'clock game, but they weren't opening the parking lots for the Eagles fans until at least 4 o'clock, so people couldn't tailgate. And a number of Eagles fans bought tickets for the Wings game so they get to the parking lot and just tailgate all morning. <laughs> yep.
1: Yep, it's always dangerous, always dangerous, but always fun. I think I think it's a really bad reputation for the fans. Every time I've been down to the link, it's just, it, you know, they'll yell at you if you wear an opposing an opposing jer- uh, jersey or something, but it's not physical, and they're just having fun
0: with people. Yeah, I mean, I've been to a couple of uh, games at uh, Giant, or met Life Stadium with my son, Steven, and they you know we wear our eagles now we don't it's all good nature i mean and i think it's the thing is with you know people you know if they're partying all morning and they when they get to the parking lot and they're you know, basically not uh, functioning well and you they you, you get in arguments, and that's when all trouble starts so i that's why i you know, just to go, I like to just go to the game enjoy it and go home yep 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 so who's your favorite eagle
1: oh my gosh of all time or this team Or uh, well, let's, let's start with this team Oh my gosh, that is a that is a tough one. Um, you know, I love I love me some Goddard, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Hassan Reddick has just
0: been a oh, monster. Awesome. Oh man, that he he changed the game there Sunday when the uh, injured, uh, not purposely, but you know, caught uh, el- the elbow of uh, Brock Purdy there, and that just changed the dynamic of that whole uh, game on Sunday.
1: And I don't, and why? I mean, this is the second best rusher. Uh, in the league, and they put a backup tight end to block him. I don't
0: understand that. I don't either. I, I don't either, but uh,
1: I was happy that Kyle Shanahan did what he did. So, uh, but you got to be honest. Don't you think – didn't you think that they would have won that game anyway?
0: As someone, as a lifelong Philadelphia sports fan, you have nervous feelings. Uh, I mean, even after Purdy got hurt, the 49ers did tie the score, so you – you still wonder it's just there's so much bad has happened with stuff like that where backups somehow of course the ultimate backup was Nick Foles winning the Super Bowl five years ago but it's just I've seen too much misery in my lifetime Black Friday in 1977 with the Phillies and the Dodgers in game three of the National League Championship Series when manager Danny Ozark forgot to uh, replaced Greg Luz, Luzinski in left field with Jerry Martin and then that ended up costing them the game and the series yep. um, 1980 with Leon Stickle and the, and the Flyers missing an offside call in game six against the Islanders in the Stanley Cup final and uh,
1: yeah, you just there's just too much. I hear you. <laughs> I gotta tell you, this brings me to a great question that I wanted to ask you and and tell you about because, like before the game, I'm absolutely just like you. I don't care who we're playing. I'll I'll find a reason why that team should probably beat us. And I was that way with San Francisco. I was that way with the Giants. Yeah. They, the Giants fans had me convinced that was going to be a tough game. I, I, and then, you know, two series into that game, I'm like, well, this is over. And then when we start, when we started with San Francisco and we, and we drove down on them and we scored, I started thinking, okay, this, is, this could be really good for us. And then, you know, we get them in a third and long, exactly what you want to happen happens. And I'm like, I, I was like, I think we're going to win this game now, right? Yeah. So my worry here is I'm always that way, but for some reason, I, I'm not even scared about this Super Bowl, can I? I don't see how we lose this game.
0: I mean, Mahomes, of course, is you know
1: hobbling a little bit.
0: Uh, I, I'm not. The Chiefs' defense does not impress me. I I, I think that's one thing. I, I if Jalen Hurts, I mean, Jalen did not have a great game on uh, on Sunday, but if if his is at least ninety percent and he's able to you know throw the deep ball, I think the Eagles could have a field day with the Chiefs.
1: Yeah, I don't. And by the way, I don't think he's close to healthy. I think she, uh, that shoulder's hurt a lot worse than they're they letting on.
0: I will say that I, when my son and I watched that game at the uh, Philly Sports Bar there over there in Latham, and when he hit the ground, and you know how cold it was that day in Chicago, I, my feeling is that shoulder was separated. It wasn't just a sprain. It's, I mean, if he, he missed two weeks, I think there was there was more than a sprain.
1: One time he committed to running last week, he landed on that shoulder again, and I don't think he was quite the same afterwards. Yeah. So we'll have to see. Well, you know, Hopefully the two weeks will make him a little better, but unfortunately it will make Mahomes' his ankle a little better
0: too. True, true. But, uh, and here's the ironic thing. The Eagles are going up against Andy Reid. And that should be a, a lot of uh, fodder for the Philadelphia sports talk shows and, and, the, and the media down there. Oh, my
1: gosh, we love Andy Reid. That's yeah. the problem. You know, you want you want to hate that opposing team, but there's a lot about that team. You got you got Jason's brother Travis, his little brother. You know, if if it weren't for the Eagles, I would probably be rooting for Kansas City. Yeah.
0: I, mean, I did ask you about your favorite Eagle currently, but what about all time? Oh, Randall. Yep,
1: absolutely, Randall Cunningham. Greatest. I mean, there's so many great Eagles. I mean, Brian Dawkins. I can make an argument for him too. But I don't know. Just something about when Randall Cunningham was in the game, it was always exciting, and you never thought you were out of the game.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was a. If it wasn't for Buddy Ryan's uh, tendency to not win playoff games when he was coaching the Eagles, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah five ball side. That was that's a different story. But yeah, you know, to have two home games the next two years and not even look good and the offense was just stagnant and I, it, it's, it's, and, anyway, everybody loves Buddy Ryan but uh, everybody forgets that Rich Kotite actually won one more playoff game than uh, Buddy Ryan that's a scary scary thing to say <laughs> I know trust me uh, uh, that's like, that's the thing about
1: this this year. I think a lot of people who aren't fans of, you know, the Eagles or even really big NFL fans don't understand is, you know, this is a, a league just like any other sports league. It's filled with stars and, you know, who's your favorite and, you know, who's got, having a great season. But what the Eagles have this year that I don't think they had back in those days, they always had like a good offense or a good defense. Yeah. Or they were always weak in the secondary or something. There isn't really a weakness in any of in any part of this team, you know the linebackers are good, the, the lines are good, the corners are good, the running backs are good. There's no weakness, and they play like a team.
0: Nick Sirianni, when he was first introduced as new head coach, I mean, he took a lot of criticism for maybe stuttering and overexcitement. But now, I mean, I compare him to former Phillies manager Charlie Manuel, and Manuel was hired to replace Larry Boa. Yeah, you know, people thought, oh, this is country bumpkin and all this stuff. And now Charlie Mann is probably the most beloved uh, Philly manager of all time, and I think Nick Sirianni is probably in that same uh, category now. And yeah, just in his second year, he's got the Eagles I- into a Super Bowl.
1: <laughs> I feel the same way. I saw that first press conference because I watched them all, obviously, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh no, what did what did we get into here? And but it wasn't like. Two weeks later, the guy had won me over already. The 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 is that he that he preaches, and clearly he's a student of the game. And you know that's the other thing. Coaching is an important thing, and I, I don't think we're weak in that
0: area either. Yeah, I mean, he just he oozes confidence. I think he just the way he. Yeah, handle things. I mean, he has fun. And of course, he, now he has a meme out there with his little uh, little dance move. He had it during the Giants game. So, he's, just, he's, he's been. I think he's been the godsend for this team.
1: It, and let's hope it stays that way because I also, you know, we we've had a couple of different coaches start this way, and you know, even with Jalen Hurts, everybody's talking about Jalen Hurts is the future. I mean,
0: he had pretty much the same season Carson Wentz did. So, yeah, and, we see uh, what happened to Carson. Yeah, I mean, and also, let's I mean, remember, I a lot of talk in training camp is that Jalen Hurts wasn't looking good and, and just he was struggling and all that stuff, and uh, he, he looked good during the season.
1: Yeah. No, I think that training camp stuff was blown out of proportion from what I from what I understood from some of the player interviews. And uh, in the offseason, if you remember, yeah, obviously you remember last year, this guy couldn't throw a deep ball to save his life. Yeah. He just couldn't. So he clearly spent the entire summer just throwing deep balls, and now he's one of the best at it.
0: Yep. So, what's your prediction for Super Bowl Sunday?
1: I don't do scores because I don't. You know, you never know which way it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see this being a, you know, a, a, like a shootout or something where it's a really high-scoring game. I think both teams can score on the other, but I actually think the Eagles are going to score more. So I'd go. Eagles, thirty-one. Kansas
0: City, fourteen. That's that sounds good. I Man, I'm, I'm thinking right now. you know, was considering considering that they scored over thirty points in the first two games of the postseason. I can see them scoring over thirty again uh, on Super Bowl Sunday.
1: And San Francisco's defense, it, you know, they weren't hurt, and that is yeah. a, it, to score. And you got to remember, Ken, we stopped trying to score after the third quarter. Yeah. <laughs> So it could have been even uglier.
0: Yeah, it could. I mean, thirty-eight-seven wasn't play again.
1: <laughs> Same thing with the Giants; we stopped trying to score at the, you know, after the third quarter.
0: Yeah. So it'll be a lot of fun. Where are you going to be watching the game?
1: At my house, yeah. probably. I would actually prefer to watch it alone, but I'm sure I'll have some people here.
0: Yeah. Well, Cause... yeah, we can. Yeah, you, know, you can hear. Listen to Sean McMaster on uh, one hundred point nine Cats uh, five thirty to ten every morning, and. I don't know how you do it getting up that early in the morning.
1: I don't I don't know either, to be honest
0: with you. <laughs> it's going to be interesting Super Bowl Sunday. It's going to be a late night. You might be a little short sleep <laughs> on Sunday, but maybe a good short sleep if the Eagles win.
1: I will go into work, and I will say the same thing I say every year is I don't know why I didn't take this day off.
0: <laughs> Sean, appreciate a few minutes, my friend. Yeah, that's that's and, uh fly, Eagles fly, and go, Birds. Thank you, Ken. <laughs> go, Birds. We'll continue our Super Bowl talk with uh, ESPN's Kevin DeGandhi. One of the biggest Philadelphia sports fans that I know. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast.
3: It's been a trying year for parents. They've been confronted with countless challenges and have always risen to the occasion. If it isn't too much to ask, the 370,000 high school student-athletes in New York have one last request please set an example disorderly fan conduct at high school athletic events is on the rise it increasingly involves parents there's no question that parents are passionate there's no question they care about their children but at a time when we're all wound a little more tightly
4: than usual it's worth remembering this about new york high school sports
1: always be a good example Stop unruly fan behavior before it starts. This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association.
3: Hi, this is Union Hockey Analyst Brian Unger. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Sports Editor Ken Schott.
0: Welcome back to the podcast, and our friend from ESPN Sports Center, Kevin Agandi, one of the great Philadelphia sports fans of all time, is joining me for the third time on the podcast, but the most important uh, appearance on this podcast, we're talking about our Eagles. Kevin, welcome back to the podcast, and how excited are you? How nervous are you for Sunday?
4: Uh, Ken, first off, it's great to join you, and it's great to talk about this topic. I I, I don't think... uh, I don't think a lot of us felt this way at the start of the season. It was just a belief that hey, week to week, let's just get better and better. And, and here we are. I, I'm, I'm sick to my stomach, but I think that's a normal, natural feeling. But it, it, here's the reason why I'm sick to my stomach: because way too many people uh, like the Eagles in this game, and it's an unfamiliar place for me to to be in and living in that space. But bottom line. Now, Ken, I've talked to a handful of NFL current and former players in the last week about just the matchup and picking their brains, and it's a, an overwhelming uh, theme that everybody just talks about. This game is going to come down to the dominant offense and defensive lines that the Eagles have, and... Basically, the Chiefs have no ability to stop that defensive front, especially with the eight-man rotation, and that specifically, that offensive line is just going to mow guys down, and they're going to rack up a ton of yards on the ground. We, Ken, we, we've got the best roster in the league. The Eagles have the best roster in the league, top to bottom, one through fifty-three. The one thing that Chiefs have is they have the best player, I think, on the planet. And I understand that he may be a little dinged up with the wheel on that ankle. But uh, when it comes to playing and understanding the um, ramifications, uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, is, is always going to be a major threat. And there's a certain magic with him. That uh, I think, if you're any Eagles fan, you you, you press pause on the excitement and, and any arrangements that you may have post uh, post uh, championship.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just I, I, he does scare me, injured ankle or not. And of course, he has a great target in, in Travis Kelsey, so that's like a nice one-two combination that really scares the bejeebers out of me.
4: Yeah, and and the one thing that Travis does really well and first off, you know, first Ball hall hall of famer is in between the numbers. He loves that space in that area. And the Eagles have struggled in between the numbers when it comes to defending, uh, tight ends. Now I know they if you look at giving up total yards, to tight ends, uh, they've been fantastic, but they, there's a big difference. And so who are you going to have when it comes to coverage to slow 87 down? Because, you know, Mahomes is going to look for him on his first and second reads <laughs> and, and maybe his third reads, right? Where is he? Because he has that ability on the mismatches because of his size and his and his soft hands. The other thing is, uh, you know, Andy Reid is – we know who Andy is. Uh, the screen game – it's a strength when you have three really talented running backs. Clyde Edwards-Helaire just coming off the IR. Pacheco's been really, really good, and McKinnon, a guy who hadn't had a lot of targets, especially the last game. I think he he has the ability to um, change speeds at any time. So I, I, I'm concerned about do they try to target that specifically to offset the aggressiveness of the pass rush when you have Reddick coming off the edge. How will they how will the Eagles handle that? Uh, the one thing they must do is be able to tackle in, in, in open space, and if you could do that, then then it opens up. I think uh, the chance to feel comfortable um, with double double covering Travis Kelsey most of the game.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Hassan Reddick, uh, what he did in that NFC Championship game, knocking out. I mean, obviously he was did it on, did not do it on purpose, but you know, in Brock Purdy gets injured. 49ers have to go back to a fourth string quarterback. Talk about Reddick's performance and the job he's done all season.
4: He's amazing, and um, I'm really proud of the guy. Uh, Obviously, know him uh, from his days at Temple and what he went through and. Uh, I mean, we're talking about a guy that had one scholarship out of Camden and he was a running back and he put in the hard work to understand what it's like uh, to rush the passer. I thought when Arizona drafted him, a dream come true in the first round, but You know, you got to have basically a staff that understands how to utilize you. And so I I don't think they knew how to use him the right way. And then when, you know, he goes to Carolina to go reunite with Matt Rule, Matt knew what to do. Matt knew how to kind of say, let's put him in the right spots. And the entire time, Hassan's been working his tail off. So for it all to come together... And, in, you know, the city where, you know, he grew up as a Temple football star and he, I mean, leads the NFL at 19 and a half sacks. And to have the game that he had at the link where, where he was a dominant player at Temple is just a pretty remarkable story. And um, we did something last night on Sports Center where we showcased, like, you know, the top 10 MVP odds. And he was the only defensive player. In our, and I, I just was reading that graphic and then sat there and said to myself, this is pretty incredible. Like, we're talking about a Super Bowl with the Eagles, and the best odds for a defensive player goes to a Temple kid, Hassan Reddick, who has just busted his tail throughout his career, and it's all paying off.
0: Let's talk about the Eagles quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Um, I mentioned earlier on the podcast with my colleague Adam Schinder about the fact that during training camp all we heard was that hurts doesn't look good he's not throwing the deep ball he's not doing this he's not doing that he did a lot of good stuff this year i mean are you amazed at how he improved over last year
4: i use him ken as an example to my uh two sons who are 10 and 8 uh when talking about hey listen uh, and and okay He's not like the guy that was overlooked. He went to Alabama and Oklahoma, but nothing was ever given to this young man. And especially the situation when he came into Philadelphia as a second rounder, he wasn't, they didn't draft him to unseat Carson Wentz. They drafted him because they were like, we need to make sure we have somebody who's young and healthy and relatively cheap. If Carson gets hurt because he had a history of getting hurt. Mm -hmm. So, Jalen the jump Jalen made from you know that Tampa Bay Buccaneers game that playoff game to where he was this past season that's all because of his hard work man that is all because of extra time he's put in uh you know turning the lights off at the facility and turning them back on as the first guy back in there like he knows what to do to be great and if he he made sure that I've got to work and outwork everybody every single day. And I and again I, I make sure my boys understand that that this guy wasn't just born with an arm. He had to work hard to be an accurate passer. My concern though is that injury there's more to it. And I we're agree, gonna hear I more, I think, after after uh the game and the offseason. Uh if if he could just if he could be accurate with that That 20 to 25-yard pass, and I think it changes the entire game. Uh, If he's struggling, though, uh, to find A.J. Brown with the touch and Devontae Smith with the touch, then I'm really concerned because Spaggs is going to stack the box and just have, you know, all right, we're going to stop the run. Can you beat us with your arm, Jalen? And this this may come down to the health of Jalen's arm. And how accurate he can be because he's worked so hard on that twenty to twenty-five yard pass this season. We've seen a payoff before the injury.
0: Yeah, that game in Chicago was so was cold out there. And when he hit the ground the way he did, how hard he was hit, and hitting that cold ground, my first thought was a separated shoulder. That I yeah. and I think that's what it is. I they they say sprain, but I, I don't know. I mean, I think he separated that shoulder.
4: I think there's more to it too. I, 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 again, I, I don't want to speculate. Uh, I, I will just, it's been seven weeks. It feels like, and now he's had an extra couple weeks and maybe that two extra weeks instead of one extra week between the giants, the Niners game, uh, that, that rest will help him. But I think, I think there's more to, to all of this, but it's gamesmanship. You're not going to reveal a lot. Um, but I will learn, I think a lot more of the, the extent of the damage um, after this game.
0: Nick Suriani, his introductory press conference he stuttered. I think he was overexcited and he was laughed at, ridiculed. Now, to me, he's, he's up in the Charlie manual. He's just beloved and uh, nothing anybody says anything negative about him. they're going fans are going to defend him. How has Nick Suriani changed as head coach?
4: He's been amazing, man. And uh, listen, I was one of the first ones to criticize him. Like, oh, what? What did we just do? Especially remember the coaching search, and there were a lot of open wounds with how the departure of uh, Peterson and, and and how he's still being around. Um, and. Nick's done everything right uh, it, ever since the fertilizer comment I think the the, the number is they're 23 and six mm-hmm. uh, be, one of the reasons why is because the team is just completely bought into what he believes in and I got to give Nick a ton of credit I think at the beginning of last season um, you know 2021 Nick tried his beliefs. And then I think right around the Lions game is when they started running the football. And then he was like, let me look at my personnel and let me take advantage of the ingredients I have to make a fantastic dish instead of, hey, I want to cook it this way no matter what. And when you can have that, I think, awareness and adjustability, things pay off, especially in this era of, hey, you got to make things work and got to make things fit. Um he also has a phenomenal ability to connect with the players, and, and you've seen that. And, and and in the beginning, I think Philadelphia's like, oh, this is, a lot of this is hokey. How much do we believe in, like, let's put in all the injured numbers of the players on my hat? Um, one thing that Nick has done, he's been his authentic self, and that goes a heck of a long way. Can in, in that city, uh, just being your authentic self. Don't don't try to sell us a you know a bag of goods where we know what we're buying is not the real deal. And uh, I think Nick has been fully aware of that. And his, his ability to adapt and find a way to continue to motivate um, has been has been really really critical for this team's continued success. Where you're you're blending in a roster of you know grizzled veterans. And then young guys. I mean, the young guys have been really impactful uh, over the last two years because of Sirianni. And, and let's segue this: Howie Roseman deserves all his flowers, man. Yep. Uh, he has been amazing in putting together a, a, a roster where you it felt like they were the lowest of low, literally two Januarys ago, and now now we're talking about the idea of uh, you know. Uh, a second Super Bowl in five years—that's uh, not really—that's not really, that's not really uh, applicable for teams in this era if you don't have a franchise quarterback. And now they're they're doing it with another quarterback, right? Yeah. So that's uh, that's a ton of credit to what Howie's done, and and understanding his mistakes, addressing his mistakes, being aggressive, um, and, and through the trade market, but also realizing you know how to. Uh, I think target specific players from specific places in the draft to see the results. Um, when When you go after Devontae Smith, not only a talented player, but you also know he played at Alabama. When you get Jalen Hurts... Not only a talented player, but he played at Alabama and Oklahoma. He understands big game situations, right? Going after you know CJ uh, Gardner Johnson, understanding that I'm going to take advantage right now of what the Saints are doing. Going after Bradbury, I'm going to take advantage of the market and what the Giants are you know can't can't put together i I think all that stuff plays a role landon dickerson an alabama guy ton of talent but understanding the pedigree of many of these guys jordan davis a georgia guy understanding the pedigree and the talent he's 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 nailed every single thing i thought the offseason in 2017 uh he was basically batting nearly Nine hundred on all his hits. Uh, this one it feels like a thousand on everything he's done in the off season.
0: We can forgive him for drafting Jalen Rager, though I guess.
4: <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. You know, and then and, and it goes back to that. I was really hard. I think the whole city was no doubt on the Rager stuff. So. But what did how he do? He learned and said, "All right, I, I understand what what was the mistake." He cut his losses. Got something from Rager, which, uh, you know, value, which is pretty incredible from the Vikings. And then just turned the page and said, what do we need? We need a number one. I'm going to go with Devontae. Oh, we need another number one to make sure. Let's get the best friend of Jalen Hurts, and that is AJ Brown.
0: How is this trip to the Super Bowl different than five years ago?
4: Uh, I think five years ago was, holy cow, how are we here? Because Nick Foles is our quarterback and everybody, you know, remember, we're the underdogs in the, uh, the opening playoff game against the Falcons, yeah, right? Right. Uh, you know, the first time we saw that, and, you know, they, they pull out the underdog masks. I think that theme really carried, carried everybody. And we looked at this team as a group of, uh, you know, a group that was around Carson Wentz. We learned in the playoffs uh, they were a special group, and it wasn't just Carson Wentz. Like the defense, I think, basically was the backbone of the city. Uh, this year, after slaying the dragon and winning your first Super Bowl, there's a there's a certain different approach where it's not of desperation. It's of yeah, we we are good now. It's, it's a new place to be at in Philadelphia because it will, nothing ever is given to us and nothing's ever easy. So there's some, I mean, I'm guilty of it. There's some like, oh, no, oh, my goodness. Why, why is everybody on our bandwagon and taking the Eagles and laying the points? Uh, but the identity of this team, the strength of this team, is that offensive line and defensive line they got weapons everywhere, no doubt. Jalen Hurts is, you know, he rightfully so needs to be in the same conversation with Mahomes when it comes to the MVP. Yeah. Before the injury, he, I thought he deserved the MVP. And then you saw what Minshew did, so it was like, well, the case is even stronger that he should be the MVP. I, I, but the offensive and defensive lines, I, I've never seen a better team. I've never seen a better Eagles team, I should say, in the history of uh, Philadelphia sports. And it's because of the identity of that, that offense and defensive line just mowing down guys, and the physicality that they play with. And I think that gives, I think, uh, a lot of people uh, the confidence that they have when when they talk about the Eagles.
0: Of course, five years ago, you were ranking anchoring the Sunday Sports Center that day when you got a surprise uh... – yeah. trip to go to to minnesota for the for super bowl is there any surprises coming up for you this sunday <laughs>
4: no surprises uh, I, i'm looking forward to it um you know the last time uh yeah it was one of those i gotta get there i gotta get there and my kids were young very young this time around they're at an age where they talk about it every single day they're they're putting together their own videos and you know they, they're in, t- in a time and space where i think the, the they have lasting memories mm-hmm. and that's what makes this special for me and my family to to experience it with them that that's what's going to be really really amazing about sunday
0: yes for me it's my fourth super bowl with the eagles i mean i go back to the 1980 super bowl with my dad um i think my son will be his third but you know he remembers the one from five years ago. He doesn't really remember much about the first uh, uh, game against New England. But uh, and up here in the Capital Region, Kevin, we have there's a, a lot more Eagles fans than you think up here. A, every Sunday, we would go to a sp- Philly sports bar in Latham, New York, and every uh, a few Eagles fans there. And I know there's Eagles fans in, in around here. And I mean, I, it just amazes me that. Yeah, maybe it's not the the Cowboys fandom and worshiping thing, but they're a dedicated bunch of Eagles fans here in the the Capital Region.
4: And I love that. And I hear that so so often everywhere. I was in Jacksonville for that Super Bowl against the Patriots, and I covered it. And let me tell you, I had so many people tell me, I can't believe how many Philadelphia Eagles fans have dominated the city. I was like, oh, is, I said, this is our city for this week. And, and then when you saw what happened in Minnesota, it, it was our city again. Like it's going to happen in Arizona. <laughs> when you look at the merchandise being sold out and the, and the, ticket prices, we, we, when we're all in, we're all in no matter what. And uh, I love that about who we are and where we're at, no matter you know what location in the, in the country we still bleed uh that philadelphia eagles green so i'm glad to hear that new york is well represented upstate and cannot wait uh, to see what it's going to be like in arizona
0: uh, how's your sports center co-anchor al duncan how it's, <laughs> <laughs> I, it's the first night uh, the last last one day she's like shaking her head i was like oh boy she's going she's gonna be in for, for the next two weeks
1: so she's been great. Like she's my, like, she's a sister I
4: never had. And we have a heck of a lot of fun going back and forth about it. And um, yeah, you know, we, 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 listen, we will never root for each other's baseball teams ever. I mean, that is a passionate uh, rivalry. And I, I was loving what the Phillies did against the Braves in that series to send the the defending world champs home. Um, I will always. Make sure you know you got to make sure your your co-anchor is happy to a certain extent. And I will always take digs at her about you know the Braves and and what the Phillies did. She'll always have her chance to talk trash to me about the Hawks. Yes. No matter what, people don't understand though that she is a humongous Broncos fan. Her family's from Colorado. So she is a bigger Broncos fan than she is in, with anything Atlanta. So it's been quite enjoyable to bring up the, the downfall of Denver with all the hopes that they had at the start of the season. So she's not going to give me a lot of space uh, when it comes to my Eagles celebration. But, you know, we, we talk about it extensively. And, and I'm not, you know, I, I have a lot of fun with her off the air, on the air. Like, we rid each other, but I'm not going to go out of my way to be petty until we win. <laughs> Elle, Elle will do it regardless. <laughs> so, oh, dude,
0: obviously, she has her Georgia Bulldogs, though, so, man. Geez. Totally.
4: And, you know, and I would tell her, I was, when she had the doubts in that first national championship, and I was like, they're going to be good. You're going to beat Alabama. And she's like, no, we're not. You don't understand, Kevin. You know, we can't lose. I was like, you're going to be good. You're, you're going to win the game. Trust me. And, um, I think, I think she was appreciative of that. or I wanted her to win to get over the hump. Uh, but, you know, the last year and a half of college football, she's been quite obnoxious and loving being obnoxious. So she's going to get a handful if there's a win on Sunday.
0: Well, let's hope we're celebrating a win at 10 o'clock on Sunday night, Kevin. I appreciate a few minutes, and uh, go Birds.
4: Ken, thank you so much. Go Birds, man. Have fun Sunday. Uh, you too. That's
0: Kevin Agandhi of ESPN. We'll get the pics of my Gazette colleagues coming up here on the Parting Shots podcast.
3: There are no words to describe it. The isolation. The boredom. The loneliness. If you're wondering where your teenage son or daughter's spirit went, you're hardly alone. The past year has been devastating, especially for them. But here's the good news. They might just find it again, playing high school sports. Workouts that stimulate, teammates and coaches that care, the sense of belonging so many of us have been missing lately. That's what school sports are all about. The sense of achievement is real, and the camaraderie is hard to beat. Coping with uncertainty is difficult, but school sports can help the teenagers in your family start feeling like themselves again. Encourage them to give it a try. High school sports. It's so much more than a
1: game. This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Hello, this is John D. Augustine, the publisher at the Daily Gazette. You're listening to
4: the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor, Ken Schott.
0: Welcome back to the podcast, and as I like to do every year as we get ready for the Super Bowl, I like to get the predictions of my Gazette colleagues. Here we go. Hi, this is the Daily Gazette's director of content, Michael Kelly.
2: My Super Bowl 57 prediction is Kansas City Chiefs 31,
3: Ken Shot's Philadelphia Eagles 21, And uh, the reason is because that's what it's going to be. Hi, this is Daily
2: Gazette sports writer Mike McAdam. My Super Bowl 57 prediction is
3: Eagles 30, Kansas City Chiefs 20. After careful deliberation and looking at all the stats and reading all the previews and checking in on
2: media, I'm only kidding. I didn't look at any of that stuff. I just think the Eagles are just going to sort of methodically do what they've done all year. They're healthy, and uh, so I think they're just
4: going to be a little bit better than the Chiefs.
2: Hi, this is the Daily Gazette. I am Tyler A. McNeil. My Super Bowl 57 prediction is the Chiefs.
3: Hi, this is Daily Gazette sports reporter Will Springstead. My Super Bowl 57 prediction is Eagles 28, Chiefs 17.
0: Hi, this is Daily Gazette reporter Ted Remsnyder. My Super Bowl 57 prediction is Chiefs 28, Eagles 20, because I think Patrick Mahomes will have a huge game.
2: Hi, this is Daily Gazette news columnist Andrew Waite. My Super Bowl 57 prediction is the Philadelphia Eagles 24-20 with a hurt Mahomes hurting the Chiefs.
4: Hi, this is Daily Gazette reporter Shenandoah Breer. My Super Bowl 57 prediction is the Philadelphia Eagles for my uncle.
0: Hi, this is Jeff Wilkin, correspondent for the Daily Gazette. My pick for the Super Bowl are the Philadelphia Eagles, and it goes way back to the 1970s when I was a big fan of the Eagles. The days of Norm Sneed and Tim Rasevich when they were not very good at all. Harold Jackson, too. I lived and died with the Eagles, and whenever they get this far, you know I'm a Buffalo Bills fan now,
3: I've gotta go back to my Philadelphia Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. Hi, this is Daily Gazette editor Miles Reed, and my Super Bowl pick for number 57 is the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the team combination of Patrick Mahomes and Coach Andy Reed is a formidable, experienced combo, and they will prevail. Hi, this is Daily Gazette's Andrew Pugliese. My Super Bowl 57 prediction is Eagles 31, Chiefs 27. I've got squares in my mind and trying to pick those numbers, and this year I'm going with 1-7, and and I think the Eagles pull it out, not necessarily because of Mahomes' ankle, but just because Hurts has got them back on a roll. Hi, this is Daily Gazette sports writer and photographer, Stan Hooty. My Super Bowl 57 prediction is the Chiefs. Unfortunately, it won't make me a big fan in the sports department with Ken and Adam, but I'm going with the Chiefs.
0: My pick for the game? Well, you think I'm picking Kansas City? No way, man! It's the Eagles, 34. The Chiefs, 17. The Eagles will win their second Super Bowl in five years. While we wrap up the podcast in just a moment, you're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast.
1: So, how are the kids? Well, Emily made the honor roll. Oh, good for her. Yeah, we're really proud of her. Tyler, on the other hand, though. What's going on? He's been moody lately, just feeling down and not like himself. Oh, we've been there. Nick was struggling last spring. He was so anxious and stressed.
4: Really? What helped? Well, he joined the soccer team. And ever since, he's been a lot happier. He has more energy, he's less stressed and he's definitely in a better mood at home. It's made a huge difference. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad he's getting out of the house, he's getting some exercise, and he's off his phone for once. It's been good for his mental health. Sounds like it's been good
1: for your mental health, too. Participating in New York high school sports improves students' physical and mental health. Encourage your son or daughter to get involved. This message presented by NISFA and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association.
3: Hi, this is Daily Gazette editor Miles Reed, and you're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Shot.
0: Back to wrap up the podcast and a reminder to make your Super Bowl pick uh, for the U Pick'em Football Derby that we have, at, uh, go to dailygazette.com and click on the U Pick'em Football banner. The Daily Gazette has a new sports podcast. It's called Full Court Press Row, hosted by Michael Kelly, Adam Schinder, and Will Springstead. Full Court Press Row takes a comprehensive look at the Siena and New Albany men's and women's basketball programs. Full Court Press Row is available wherever you get your podcast and online at dailygazette.com. Keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on how COVID-19 is affecting us in the Capital Region. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this situation. We appreciate the job you're doing in this difficult time. If you have not got vaccinated or booster shot, please do so. Do it for yourself, do it for your family, and do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I want to thank Adam Schinder, Sean McMaster, and Kevin Nagandi for coming on the show. I'll have a Union men's and women's hockey podcast coming Thursday as the teams get set for weekend action. I hope you tune in. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of the Daily Gazette company. The Party Shots Podcast is a production of the Daily Gazette Company. I'm Daily Gazette Sports Editor Ken Shot. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Party Shots Podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports, and fly, Eagles, fly.